like, I mean, I was going to preschool, I mean, kindergarten by myself, you know? Yeah, you're going to jail. You're going to, are going to jail. If, if well, you, at least you're being, the... you know, yeah. But, but yeah, but we've, I, do you miss Long Beach? I do and I don't. I mean, it's always going to be home to me, like, mm -hmm. but um, I'm grateful for the experiences I have now. Like, there was, there was a few things that I didn't think were ever going to happen in Long Beach. And one of them was buying a home. Like I, like I just, you know, I got a late start in life on like getting my shit together. And, um, me too. And I, uh, I, it wasn't that I, that I like buying a home was never really on the radar, but what happened was, and I don't know if I ever told you this, Hillary and I were both, we were working for Eric and Dave at the pubs. I remember. And then, and then. That I did some marketing all, and stuff for them. That all fell apart. Right. And then I, um, she got a job working for one of the franchise owners of the counter, the burger concept. Hmm. And so she was like the director of operations working. This guy had three locations in LA and I started working for Prudential. I think I, oh, yeah. I reached out. I, I did oh, that for did. a while. Yeah, you did. And, and you were really great at that. I, I loved know? it, but I, I couldn't. I, if I started it when I was younger, I probably never would have been a chef. It, I, I, I loved it, but I couldn't, uh, being commission only, I couldn't put my family through the rigors of like trying to build a client base. No, it was just too hard. It really is. So, tough. so Hillary Van was a few months old and we had an awesome, awesome support group. Like my aunt came over one day a week and watched them. And then we had this other woman that, um, that I had met through Joe Leahy's wife's family and, mm -hmm. and Dave, uh, our other friend, Dave Levandusky's wife's family, uh, Maria that came over like three days and watched, watched van. And then we took, and then Hillary would drop him off at my dad's one day a week. So like he was getting aunt and then freaking Maria who was just like loved him more than anybody. And then, and then grandparents, you know, mm -hmm. it was like pretty cool. And, mm -hmm. and I remember Hillary yeah. came to me one day and she said, I, you know, I love doing what I do, but, I really want to be a mom as much as possible. And I said, okay, well, let's figure something out. <laughs> and so, so okay. I had lived in Lake Tahoe for a little while and I lived in Eugene for a little while. So I, I was familiar with being out of Long Beach. And so I, um, pardon me, I said, well, let's let, you know, let's look at some places where we can live on like one, like a single income or something close to that like as you know so i started looking here in salt lake uh and uh boise idaho and bend oregon were like the three places where i started concentrating kind of like looking for work and uh this place red iguana that's i mean it's been on diners drive-ins and dives it's probably one of the most well-known places in utah uh you know just if you look up mexican cuisine in utah you'll it'll probably be the first place that comes up family owned and operated for however many years they needed someone that was bilingual and that had multi unit experience, which I kind of fit the, fit the mold for them. Um, and, and, uh, we ended up moving out and, and for a good portion of the first couple of years, like they, uh, made, the, we made the full transition when van was, um, when van was, uh, six months old, but, uh, yeah, so she we moved out and I started working for the Red Iguana and then after a few, you know, a little while she was like we were like, "Well, let's let's see if if we can buy a house." 
and uh you know there but i do uh, so to answer your question i do and i i don't i mean i miss I, I, there's a certain um and i was talking about this with uh stacy johnson eric's wife mm. um the last time when we were out for like fourth of july is like there's not the sense of community at least i don't have that or we like it's hard when you're older to make friends you know mm. but like all of the all of my closest friends I met in like junior high and elementary yeah. like in elementary school which is so uncommon I think because most of the people that I know like their friends are they the people that college. they met in college and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's that there's a lacking a little bit of that community but but uh, we have you know my wife grew up here and she has some friends that she went to college with and and they a lot of them have kids around the same age oh, because good. she's a little younger so yeah so I do and I I'm don't, not a but huge I mean, group of people and because of going and being a parent you know I mean I did especially it starting at kindergarten yeah I got another yeah. whole group I mean that's how I met Claudia right and um that's yeah and, and Maria and all of them mm-hmm. and I met Cla- I met Claudia through her first husband, Derek, they were regulars at Christie's. Yeah, Ian was just at my house last night. <laughs> Their son was just here. Oh, we were drinking awesome. wine. Yeah, that's it was awesome. super cool. Okay. We had an amazing night. Oh, God. It's so crazy, right? There's, okay, so we got, we really, are you serious about the 10 minutes? Well, no, we're, we're cool. I just, um, we um, have a little bit of a lunch plans, but I'm good. Go ahead. Okay, so um, we, we got off track but uh, <laughs> which tends to happen on, on my podcast. But <laughs> so, awesome. so you, you kind of left off on, yeah. on your, fi- well, you got to 15 and then we were talking about when I met yeah. you at the Reno room and you were yeah. 23 and just freaking, and then now kind of you, you have progressed on with that. Did you, did you kind of bury that for a little while? Like the mm. knowing that you were the nurturer or did you, you just, just hey, I'm living, and I need to do this and focus, and then and then how did how did you refine that spark, or how did that come back to mm. you to get you to where you're you're at? Yeah, good question. So, you know, I've always had this ability to um, to listen. So I listen very deeply. So as you were sharing, I hear the essence of what you're saying. I don't know how else to describe it as that, but I've always had that inside of me. And then I developed an understanding of that later. But I, I wanted, um, I, I had a connection to, and I guess the best way for me to describe it is I understood, I understood and had a connection with the G.O.D., so for me, it wasn't a guy with a beard. The, you know, the essence or the experience of uh, God spiritually was, um, was vast. It always felt like the universe to me. And so I had that inside of me. And, I, and, and it, was, it was a small little, you know, kindle, if you will, a kindling, right? And when I would go through some of my traumatic experiences or, and even if I unintentionally chose them, right? Like, or was attracted to them or was a magnet to them. There was always this part of me that was like, there's more, 
there's more for you than this. Hold on, there's more. And so I listened to that and I, you know, I continued to build that and foster that. So my identities and how I would show up in the world, I was constantly looking to um, perfect them. <laughs> I was constantly looking to master them and be better at them, meaning to be better at my, you know, finding that true self, be better at find, being that observer. I always loved the idea of being Yoda, right? Like inside of me, I really did. And, and that was attracted to that. So I kept learning more and more and more. I ended up working for a chemical, like a CD psych unit with my mom. And my mom was a counselor and doing, or kind of a counselor, supported counselors and doing treatment plans. And I was doing treatment plans. And so I learned a lot about psychology and I was in the DSMs and listening to all of that and helping psychiatrists create this. So I learned a lot about just the psyche. And, and then I learned about biofeedback. And then I learned about other ways to, um, to be treated for either a chemical illness or mental illness. So I had that information inside of me and that kind of kept growing. So I would then go and immerse myself into um, other leadership programs. And I did a ton of that and I would give back a ton and give my time back and support of kids. You know, I didn't graduate high school, so I would go to high schools and speak about the hardships that it created for me and what I really had to go through because I didn't even have a high school diploma and what that did to my self-esteem. You know, for a really long time, I overcompensated in that. And that's a lot of what you saw. I had to prove to myself. And so what I started to really see is that I was giving everything to everybody. I was giving so much that I had no healthy way of being for myself. I was so depleted, energetic. It came such an imbalance in me that I had to do something about it. I mean, I really, really had to. Um, so I just kept growing, Matt. I just kept going and I kept looking deeper in and um, knew that it wasn't about an external fix for me. I really got that because I didn't drink from the time I was really 15. I drank when I was 18, but 15 to 18, I didn't. And I was in the program and I was in the world of the program and how I got in it, my parents were both sober, but I also got in it because I left my mom's home because she started setting boundaries. Like, can't have sex with your boyfriend in her house right? and ditch, ditch school. And I was like, who, who the fuck are you to tell me what to do? Yeah, exactly. So then I made her basically kick me out because I just kept doing that behavior, right? She had to set some sort of boundary in parenting. And if not, I was going to rule the roost. And she needed to establish some sort of hierarchy, especially being sober now. She wanted that rollback, right? right? And I didn't want that. So I ended up living in like this park for like a couple weeks. And then I met, um, and then I had a boyfriend. And then I had knew Darth and I had met Darth and he said, Hey, if you go to this Thursday meeting, for first of all, have you ever drank? And I was like, yes. Have you ever missed school from drinking? Yes. And he was like, did you ever feel regretful? Yes. Oh, well, you qualify. So <laughs> go to this meeting <laughs> and say that you're an alcoholic. And I was like, well, I don't even know if I'm an alcoholic. And he was like, well, it doesn't matter. You have those three things. You qualify. So go in and tell them, and then people are going to help you, and they'll find a, give, help you find a place. So oh, wow. I started out in the AA program as really finding a new way of living, and um, as it was survival for me, right? <laughs> it was survival for me. So I, um, I 
I later, I don't even know why I lost my train of thought here, but hi, who is that? I got, I got, uh, I'm getting, in, I'm getting. Oh, I they're like, it's time, oh, Dad. Come here, come here. Dad. Yeah. We are going to go get the binders oh. for my snow. Oh my okay. goodness. Is that your beautiful wife? Okay. Tell her I yep. said hi. Corey says to tell you hello. Hi, Corey. Hi. <laughs> nice to see you. Oh. Hi. Say hi, Elliot. Hi. I can't hear her, so <laughs> you okay. do have the headphones in. Can you blow her a kiss, Elliot? Blow her a kiss. Say hi. hi. Elliot. Hi, Van. Corey's oh. saying hi to you, bud. Say hey, Corey. Hey, Corey. Oh, my okay, goodness. Matt, yeah. they're perfect. Come on. Yeah. Amazing. Pretty, pretty lucky. Amazing. Pretty Beautiful. Lucky. All right. I'm all, we're going we're gonna to be wrapping up in a little bit. Okay, bud? Come out here, buddy. We just got a late start because we were having some audio problems. So you started, <laughs> started out in an AA. As, yeah, as a way to I try really, to find to try yeah. way to try to find like a place to to live, so you didn't have to live in a park. Yeah, and it basically, I didn't have to live in a park. Honestly, I, you know, I was rebellious, and I look back at it, I didn't really have choices. There were choices, though, right? Right. There was another way. I mean, I had an incredible family that lived in Huntington Beach that have taken me in in a minute. You know, um, you know, my dad really was an option, but kind of not. I mean, he was living in his own place and doing what he was doing, but and sober, but it was, I think really what I started, and now I got to look back, and of course I, I get to see so much more of what was really happening, but in the moment, I, I really started a foundation of learning through the 12 steps of, you know, through this 12 steps of recovery, it was really how to heal and recover in my own way, and I just used all of the recovery information, and I filtered it with not having it be about alcohol. I, I used it as a platform for me to build a, a healthy, integral person. And so that was the foundation. So I learned how to navigate my life through that, those, through the concept of, of the 12 steps of recovery. I created, it created a way of living for me, to be right. honest. And so that just stayed with me of acting as if and being in integrity and taking it one minute at a time. And you know, those became the the new wirings for me. And so I didn't really have any alcohol in my body until I was like 24. So being being a sober mind and being clear is who I am and foundationally who I am. And so as I started getting older and started, you know, becoming and seeing more of these, I guess, these traits and belief systems, um, I really just started to really see that my spirit and my soul and my purpose of who I am got quieted with survival and got quieted with all of this unintentional programming, really. And um, because I was four and I saw my mom hurting and I said, I want to love her and it made her feel better. So I felt useful. And then I said in that moment at four or five, she needed me and I needed to give that to her and therefore I needed to abandon me. And I didn't know that, right? And so that wired in me that love was helping somebody in pain and love was abandoning myself. And so I took the action of that for very, very many years and started to really see that. And then 
and then I, you know, I met Eric and he and I connected and I just started drinking again in my adult life. And I remember my friend Snozy, she was like, what do you mean? You haven't been drinking since you were 15 years old. You can have a glass of wine. I mean, do you really have an oh. alcohol problem? You really don't have an alcohol problem. I don't see it if you have an alcohol problem. And by the way, you know, that's not my problem, right? Alcohol is not my thing. But, but um, I mean, it does funny, crazy stuff for people, but um, including myself at times. But it's not my thing, right? It's not my wound and my addiction and my was love and relationships. So, and that was a, you know, that was a slippery slope. Sometimes I would drink and then be unconscious in terms of that and then meet somebody and then we'd have a child, right? <laughs> so anyway, I met, I did that one. but I met I, Eric and then yeah, uh, I met Eric and then we had my son and, you know, and I had newly started drinking around that time. And, um, and he was for sure just a love baby. And I was absolutely in choice of that, but that really shifted my life. And so it put that in purpose and in overdrive and then doing a lot of work with, you know, Ethel, my therapist who really helped me put my childhood behind and, and heal my childhood. And she really helped me see my adult self and my child self to be different, not on purpose. I don't think that was her intention, but that's what occurred for me in the process of healing. And what I started to see and really notice was I couldn't not do things or was still attracted to this old unhealthy people and old unhealthy way of being, even though I healed. So that sparked that new next area of how do I really become who I truly want to be and am? And how do I do that? And that's when I, in my, right after I had my son, I started a new kind of level of growing and looking deeper in myself and seeing that it wasn't so much the surface of all this rational discernment. It was more of the spirit of who I am needs to be able to get developed. And I need that muscle to be stronger than this operating system. And then I started developing that. And, and that's really the journey of, you know, from there. And then my mom passed away. And when my mom passed away 10 years ago, um, even though I started this, this mapping pattern healing process about 12 years ago, when she passed, I saw my role and I saw my identity and that operating system and pattern so clearly. I mean, I was with her when she took her last breath. I was in forgiveness with her. I, I, you know, I said to her, please don't hold on for me, you know, go. And, and I had no idea how sick she was. I, I had no idea how the she, my mom, ended up with um, uh, liver cancer because she didn't treat her hepatitis C. Oh, wow. So my mom had hepatitis C. I'm not sure if it came from blood transfusions or, you know, she wasn't an active IV user, but she dabbled in it in the 70s. And so I don't know if what happened, but I, I believe it was through blood transfusion during that time. She had some stuff go on, females' problems early in the 70s, and they weren't testing for hepatitis C. So, right. so, um, and she chose not to treat her hepatitis C and she chose not to treat it because they think she was so ready physically done. And so what I saw when she passed was again, like that role and who I had to become. And, and it became like really painful for me. Like 
oh shit, I was here to help her. And I had a job at that. Like that's where I landed. I was like, wow, I started helping other people and I should have been focused on her. And, you know, and then I really started to hear myself in all of that and hear, wait, no, I did the best I could, of course, and not rationalizing that and not even coming to that place, but not even coming to that surface place, but that really deep part of me that this kind of soul contracts, like, why are we here? What is my lesson? What is this? this so a deeper, deeper part of me uh, and listening to that really came out of my grief of losing her and, and grief of allowing myself to, I think, I think with her left that inauthentic superpower strength that I had to be. I didn't lose the strength of who I am. I am super solid and strong, but I don't have to put the Batman hat on. And when she passed that left with her, you know, that piece, that wound that I have to be this strong for everybody and not myself. And um, that left with her. And I gave it, a, I, I, I healed and released that with her. And then it just started to really, I started to, you know, my dad won the lottery. I think we got to call it Christie's when that happened. He had just, yes. he, you're, that was so incredible. He had a fucking heart attack, almost died. Yeah. And then like a few weeks later, I mean, it was like a few weeks. No, it really was. I mean, he, that heart attack. I remember pulling up in his freaking badass ride in front of Christie's. New Mercedes, a gangster. It was all like gangstered out. It was so fun. But he, yeah. So when he won the lottery. He pulled up in a, in a, in a convertible, like, oh, it was like. His vet. It was. His old 1952 incredible. Pretty sure. Early. Oh, yeah. Pretty sure. It was cool. Anyway, he was. It was really incredible. So yeah, he got the call that he, I mean, he was having a heart attack. I went to go work for him. So I changed my whole trajectory. I felt like I, you know, like in the structure, the, the sun takes over the job, right? <laughs> and the business. And I was, in my heart, I've always been an entrepreneur. So he gave me basically his business. When he had a heart attack, I came and helped him. And, um, and then he won the lottery. And yeah. when that happened, my our whole life shifted in terms of but it's really interesting matt my whole life shifted surfacely financially yeah but it brought up a whole slew of shit for me because now i had a father who was active and i still had a wound that i was dealing with and even though i healed a lot of that i still would be triggered by it and and I still would be triggered by his now new presence in my life. And then, then it had this like real Disneyland dad, real life Disneyland dad. Right. Right. Right? And so, and he was so generous and completely, I'm sure, you know, out of just complete love for me, but also out of, you know, Hey, I, this is for missing time. Right. Right. And, so that wound for him, it was, it was just a really an interesting time, but I really saw that money doesn't change how you feel. 
It changes the experience of things. And so I really spent a lot of years being in that moment. He allowed me to stop the hustle a little bit and really gave us a home. And I had met Donald (laughs) and I remember that day, (laughs) Christy, but I had met Donald and Donald was super grounded and, you know, I really loved him for, um, I didn't fall in love with Donald as like the love of my life, you know, like not that he wasn't such a huge love for me, but he was balanced and grounded and, and I wanted all of that. You know, I wanted, I liked the essence of him, you know, I like the core of that. I wanted that. And so, um, and we ended up living in the Heights and um, being able to really see that, that chasing this identity of, of being somebody and having to work, you know, it really came up for me so many times in my life of having to prove myself because I don't have a degree, you know, and I feel like a scientist (laughs) and I feel like that I'm somebody that, Um, has a lot of information and that continues to receive a lot of information, but that I would go work for people even during this time where he was like, Hey, you know, he wasn't like you stay home for your son, but it allowed me to be more present. And my son has a completely different life and it changed the trajectory of our lives because I didn't have to go to work to hustle, right. For that, for like the survival foundation, I had to work for the extra stuff, but I got time. I really did. I got time. I mean, that's really what it allowed me to, and to really do some deep work into who I wanted to be. So I took one of those Myers-Briggs tests. I did what colors my parachute. And then I did some leadership trainings and I was like, Oh, I want to be a a life coach. And here's my process. And this is what I want to share. And I collected all this information and I think it's really helpful. I know that I got to change some patterns in this and I want to help other people do it. So then I just basically put a business card and started my companies. You know, my company, I did Scarlet Events. I did an event company. And then I started my coaching business. And um, it's been something that I've had to struggle with only internally first in terms of a little bit internally because I, again, I thought I had to prove myself in this world. So what am I just, I'm a life coach now and now I created this process. Who the fuck am I? Right. And, um, and so then I would go back into the restaurant business and, <laughs> and give my, you know, all to somebody else's concept and passion, even though I really loved part of it. Um, and then I was not home and that didn't work because I really wanted to be home. Right. right. You know, so it created this imbalance in my life and I finally was like, okay, um, I'm going to just do my coaching business. And then Donald and I exited that relationship. I feel like it got really complete and it was awesome. And we, you know, we were able to, what do they call it? Like conscious uncoupling. We mm-hmm. were able to do that. And, um, and I was doing my coaching business and fully active in it. And it was called your fulfilled life. And I had a whole team of people that were working with me and my clients that were really seeing amazing results through this process. And 
um, when we got separated, a slew of trauma and it's crazy what a lot like losing can bring up inside of you. And when we, when we got divorced, a lot of those old wounds showed up for me and I started some, and I started to step into some old behavior. It was really, really like wounded teenager behavior. It was early twenties. It was really crazy. And it, it lasted for like a good three months. And I didn't know how to, and I didn't have that, you know, I had that neuroplasticity piece, but I kept negotiating how I felt and what I was called and and like connected to, which was all this wounded, unhealthy behavior. Even though I had all this information, I'd been helping so many people, this still came up for me. And I stepped into it for a minute and um, it would be like a relapse, I suppose, really. And then we, um, and then I went to go work back for Christy because <laughs> I needed that? some full time income. <laughs> and it was really incredible. I mean, the reason why I, you know, I think I went, to be honest, was to remind myself or to really get clear about this piece of that um, my purpose really is to do this work that I'm doing. Right. And I really am passionate about the restaurant business and that caliber of, of business. But, um, and that, that money that compensated for my lack of self-esteem and self-worth didn't compensate enough. You know, I, I always love the small business. I, you know, I, I think Christy has an incredible palate. Um, and I stepped into that relationship with boundaries and I stepped into that relationship knowing what I was getting into. And she was really helpful for me at that time because my coaching business wasn't going to allow me to stay in Long Beach. Right. It would have made me go somewhere else. And that was the core of my business. I would have had to go somewhere else financially. And so I tried to keep that and then also help and manage that restaurant. But hours a week. So it was good because Max got to come. My son was 14 at the time. So 13, he got to come to the after high school or, you know, and walk over to Christie's and be there with me and do his homework. And I would go home for a couple hours. She would have let me do that and, you know, feed him dinner. And then I'd come back, you know, and then, um, and, and really what I saw was, again, that, that was not calling me. What was calling me was this purpose of wanting to help people evolve and to feel and to get better and to, and to see that their patterns are not something that are uncontrollable, that these patterns are creating these feelings inside of them and their reactions to them and how they can unhook and live a more empowered and powerful life and conscious. And that was really my goal. And, and so just the last couple of years, I mean, I met my wife at Christie's and she is like a, like talk about all the work that I had to go through and everything that I've done in terms of repatterning. I chose somebody who was in, complete alignment in my heart and I lead with my heart with her in my everyday life and um, and that's the choice that I made and we've been together six years and it's magically getting better and more enriched and it's just really incredible and so I met her out of all that and then in those last few years I've helped open other small businesses but I'm really focused now on completely taking 
complete trust and faith. And she's been so amazingly supportive. And because she works at a high-end steakhouse in Manhattan Beach, it allows me to actually grow my business authentically and how it needs to be grown and not putting a shit ton of pressure on it. And so it's, it's developing and, and, you know, really beautifully growing. And it's incredible. This last year has been um, just so amazingly rewarding. Um, I went to yogi school. I got to understand more of that and not like traditional yoga, but, but really understanding more of the spiritual system inside of us and myself. And um, it's just been really fun. And this last year, again, has been an incredible journey. So I'm launching my, so this next year is, and this, what's happening is I have an incredible foundation and um, my pattern healing and intuitive coaching has really taken off and I'm starting my podcast and it's going to be um, Elevated Humans from the Grit to the Infinite. And we're just going to talk about, I'm talking to people. Um, the only thing I'm going to say is that this the next year is, has a foundation to it and it feels really authentic and amazing and I'm um and grounded and like the whole part of me is really here and showing up and um it feels incredible to be able to have gone through all of that find some sort of formula really and process to help people see some unconscious patterns be able to look at them as the operating system help them connect to more of the spirit of who they are and help them build that and see that. And so they don't have to go and spend 20 years of their life um, in search of that. They, they actually can understand how the system works and inside of them and, and help them see that. And my dog is really needing my support right now. Come here, Nugget. Come here, you stop whining, okay? You can stop whining. Come here, my little wiener dog. But this was so incredible. Like you're so easy to talk to, Matt, and uh, I and I just love you so much. And I'm so happy for your family and just everything. Can you come up here, please, and stop whining? I well, really am. I think this is awesome. No, I, I I hope that we can. I mean, literally, I could probably. I wasn't joking when I said we could probably talk for another fifteen hours. I know hours. we could. I, mean, like, I know. I know we could. There's so many. Uh, just so much. I mean, we could just pick one, one, like we could try to be like, pick one singular topic <laughs> and then talk subjects. about that. But I know, but, uh, I know, I know. There, That's no, good. I've, I've had so much fun. And, and, and I think I've told you this. I, um, you've always been so gracious to me. Uh, there was something that happened a long, long time ago that, um, I, for me, it probably solidified, uh, our friendship. And I don't, you, you may, re, may or may not remember this, but I remember, um, when I became, so I became the executive chef at Christie's and then I, and then I was a regular at the Reno room and, and I would call you guys up and say, Hey, I'm coming down and like trade food that didn't belong to me for beer that didn't belong to you. <laughs> Chicken Fiorentina. That's yeah. I, I mean, but, um, so true. Really? I really, that's why I got fired by the way. <laughs> No, it's not. Yes, it is. Come it is on. not for you. No, 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 oh, no, no. Not you, okay. but, you know, I mean, people, and then I put that in my till. So, um, anyway, that's, my, no, on me, but by the way, go ahead. Oh, so, um, 
I, I don't think I've ever, and I I don't know if I, I probably told my wife this. Who cares? I was attracted to you. I I was like, you know, I I just, I've always thought you were just fantastic. And, I, and you know, um, and then as I got to know you, like, it was like more of like, oh my gosh. Um, but I, you were so gracious at this one point. I was, I was at the bar and I probably was pretty wasted and I was going to ask you out. And for some reason, I think you, your intuition or whatever, like you totally knew it and you were so graceful and you, the guy that you were dating at the time happened to be like three feet away from me sitting at the bar, whatever, John. And, uh, yeah. And, and you were like, as, as I went to go say something, you were like, you kind of put your hand up and you were like, Oh, Hey Matt, have, have I introduced you to my, I mean, it it was so like, like you, you, you knew it was for me, it felt like, and I can still recall like the feelings are about how graceful you were and how, uh, conscientious you were of like my feelings that you didn't like, like laugh at me or treat you know it was one of those things where like it was a poignant moment where then I was like okay that this is not ever gonna like it was like made pretty clear like became clear to me that like the the path or the relationship between you and I was gonna just be a friendship which then I at once became okay with but like it was so in an essence it summed you up for me of like how you how you've always been in my eyes of like just grace and like dignity and like treating other people with respect just yeah i mean that's really so beautiful and you know i that is who i am so you see me yeah that's you know all that other stuff all the protection and that is that melding of that vulnerability and yumminess is when I can show up compassionate and I can be and really seeing in the moment of what it is. I mean, we're talking about a really funny experience, but that could have really, especially not knowing where your intentions were or your heart was for me. And I could have easily created a trauma in that situation for you or anybody, vice versa, yeah, that right, happened right, to me right. or for, for whoever. But yeah. to, to pay attention to that, that that's something that, um, you know, you just saw into really my true self. And I appreciate you pointing that out. I, you know, whether or not I had the respect for you, which I did and always have, you know, I see you as a beautiful human being. And I know that we're cut from similar cloth, but just to even not knowing or not having, you know, you and I have really not spent a lot of time developing this friendship. It just was there. It was there. Yeah. So it always has been. I mean, there's always been a closeness and an understanding. And it's really amazing. But that that allowed, I'm absolutely sure, for me to show up loving in that moment. I mean, you know, you didn't, I'm sure there was...